Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Here we are, episode 30 of the Mike and Mo Show, late a show edition here from the East Coast, because we are counting down the hours to the start of the NFL season. Minutes! By minute, we are getting ready for the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers, and that'll be just one of the many games that Mo and myself are going to get somewhat in-depth, get your fantasy roster set for the first week so that you can dominate your NFL fantasy season just like I will. But before we get to that, Mo, welcome to the show, and what do we got on the docket, my friend? It's all NFL all day today. I shouldn't say all day because we got a little bit of college football in there. Mike's going to gloat about a few things. I'm going to shoot back with a few things. There's also a marquee matchup that you guys may not notice on the schedule. And we're going to end the show with our game picks against the spread. Mike's going to be probably wrong on a lot of these. So I'm just going to warn you early on that one. But we're going to take it back to, as Mike said, the NFL season is Christmas Eve for us NFL people. Tomorrow kicks off the season with the Panthers and the Broncos. There's one person we will talk about later in the show who's not too happy about that for a specific reason. But we're going to get into the storylines of the NFL season. And I tell people this all the time. The NFL season is more than just a game, a sport. It's a soap opera. It's a storyline for everyone to follow. And I can, right now, I'm just going to run down a a lot of the storylines that are going to transpire over the course of the season. Mike can give his input. I'll give my input. And you guys can play along and, and think about these things as you're watching the games. Tomorrow, Sunday, Monday Night Football, just think about these things. Okay, as we run, as we run it down from the top, Jimmy Garoppolo. We finally get a look at who Tom Brady's backup is. Is he going to give Brady the Bledsoe treatment? Will Brady root against the Patriots to take some else so he can get his job back? <laughs> who knows? I don't think so. I think Garoppolo's going to stink a little bit. Brady gets his job back. Yeah, absolutely. Garoppolo may go 2-2. Two two. I definitely think it'll be a supporting cast effort around him. Will I be surprised if he goes 4-0? Yeah. 3-1? and one? Yeah. Probably not so much. But 2-2 two and two is what I'm I'm a betting man, I would say. I'll be I'll be really surprised, actually, if he goes 1-3 and 0-4 oh just because of what he has around him. Uh, yeah, this is not going to be... You know, it's Tom Brady. He's, uh, you know, he's Jesus Christ to the people in Massachusetts. So, yeah, yeah I don't see him going anywhere. By the way, he's going 1-3. and three. But uh, okay. one of the teams he will play... The Dolphins are going to be much improved. Mike laughs at me every time I say, watch out for Ryan Tannehill. Every I'm time. telling you guys, mm-hmm. Adam Gates is the head coach there. He worked wonders with Jay Cutler in Chicago. He's going to turn Ryan Tannehill around. He's going to make him a fantasy darling. Fantasy alert right there. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that he could have done what he did with Jay Cutler? I mean, how many years did Jay Cutler underachieve? And he was really, really good last year. I mean, if you had him on your fantasy team, he was, not only was he a streamer, he put up some big 30-point weeks. Um, so, yeah, he's got, he's got again, another guy's got weapons. Devontae Parker, he's got Jarvis Landry. He's one of maybe one of the best five, six receivers in the league. Uh, running game is questionable with Foster and, and Ajay. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't do it this year, Mo, he's not going to do it. Okay, uh, A.B., is he going to disappoint PPR League fantasy owners all over the world, including myself, who picked them first in our Mike versus Mo versus the World Fantasy League? Just a quick note, Steve Smith Sr. is probably the best underrated wide receiver group in fantasy football, period. I picked him up last night in, I believe, the 10th round, which it was a laugh for. I'm surprised he got that far. But A.B., he's been everyone's darling. He's got a commercial out, people picking him number one. Will he disappoint? 
Uh, no, because Le'Veon Bell is out for three games. So, and we know that Martavis Bryant is also out for the year. So, yes, you can tip. Yeah, you can double team him if you want to, and you know, go with Marcus Wheaton and D'Angelo Williams. But I don't think it matters. I mean, this is the this is the best receiver in the game for a reason. Um, and he's got that bet with uh, with my man you know, Brandon Marshall. You know, who's gonna get the uh, the the Rolls Royce Phantom or the Porsche? So, I mean, I'm not giving up the pink slip to that car if I were him. A.B. putting up Madden numbers. How about Carson Wentz? He's going to start in Philly because, as, as you all know, Sam Bradford was traded to the Minnesota Vikings, which opens it up for Carson Wentz. I kind of feel bad for Chase Daniel, but it is what it is. Wentz is going to look very bad in Philly. They don't have a good supporting cast around him. I know Philly fan guy is excited about it, even though he said West, uh, Wentz sucks at the airport. But I know he's happy that his boy could start a draft of number two, throw him out to the Wolves. Could be a big mistake or it could work out. Yeah, Philly guy, very excited. He might be on the show a little later. It depends on if he can get a connecting flight from North Dakota. Uh, but uh, I like, I personally like Wentz. I, I think I think he's going to be a lot better than Jared Goff, and we'll talk about him a, lot, a little later. Uh, much more athletic. Uh, he seems like he has, uh, you know, a grasp on the offense. He, again, he's got some weapons. Again, not enough to make the playoffs this year, but I like his athletic ability. We talked about it at the time of the draft. The guy has a pro-style game. Uh, I think he can. I think he can transfer over, even though he played in North Dakota State. I think he can be a solid NFL player and eventually be a, Ma- a Marcus Mariota type, where everybody is putting him as their fantasy darling this year. So why not? And he's got at least Philly's got a better team than the Titans currently do. Yeah, he, he's going to be horrible, by the way. Oh, um, no Kirk Cousins, is he for real? People are drinking the Kool-Aid. I tell people not to drink the Kool-Aid. Drink it. And we got Norman versus Beckham twice a year now. We don't just get it once. We get it twice a year. How's that going to turn out? Is going to be a brawl twice? What are we going to get? No, it'll be chippy in the first game, and then uh, and then Beckham's just going to run by him like four or five times like like everybody did during the preseason, and, and that'll be that. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I drank the Kool-Aid. I yeah, hey, I am because you know what he he's he's coming to his own. I mean, last year was phenomenal. I mean, it could have only been a one career year type of thing, but he's gonna want to get paid. He's still in search of that huge guaranteed contract. So why would he not? It's basically the same team coming back back from last year with a couple of additions. So I don't see any reason as to why he should take a step back, especially since he wants that big money. Take him. He's been going in like the tenth, eleventh rounds in most NFL fantasy drafts. I mean, why would you not at least have him as a number two? or if you if you're in a league that doesn't put a lot of value on quarterback touchdowns take this guy and and let him carry you to the promised land because uh, he's gonna play against the cowboys and he's gonna play against you know the the eagles the giants who knows the defense has not been great in the past couple years anyway so he's gonna put up points uh six times a year yeah, we'll, we'll see. He could take you to your fantasy grave as well. Mm. Speaking of Kool-Aid, uh, Cowboys fans are drinking the Dak Prescott Kool-Aid. I don't know what flavor it is, but it must taste pretty good because they're not too worried about Romo being out. And we'll see if Ezekiel Elliott is good as advertised. I know one person in Indiana who hopes he is. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be greatness like Todd Gurley greatness, but I think he's a complete three-down running back. Dak Prescott, eh, not so sure yet. I think he'll be okay. I think at, we'll talk about the picks later, but I'll dig into... Dak Prescott later on the show and what he'll be against the Giants at home. Yep, crop top. I think he'll have an okay year. I think he'll rush for like a thousand yards, which is great, you know, especially for a rookie. He may, you know, maybe we're talking five, six touchdowns, but, you know, uh, it's the Cowboys. And again, if you know if Dak Prescott is ineffective until Tony Romo comes back, if he comes back, you step 
10, 9 or 10 in the box, and you're going to limit this guy. So I, I don't know. That's why I stayed away from Des Bryant, and I stayed away from pretty much everybody else on that Cowboys team. Yeah, Ezekiel, can, he can run, but not if there's no holes open for him. And, you know, we know that the offensive line is good when it comes to running the ball, but you can only block so many times before a guy just finally passes out from pure exhaustion. And I think that's the way the Cowboys and fantasy owners that have him are looking at this transpiring. Absolutely right about that. We talked about today being Christmas Eve. Well, Victor Cruz might as well be Santa Claus because we don't see him often, but he could be back after two years inactive. He had a myriad of injuries, but he, he had a preseason play, got into the game, played a little snaps, quarter pass, four yards. Can he remain healthy, and will we see if the Giants can right their problems? Was Coughlin the root of all their problems? Can McAdoo save that team? Ugh, it's tough. I mean, uh, I took call. I took him in one of my drafts, the last pick of the last round. I, you never know because, I mean, again, this guy could have been a mirage, could have been a two-season, you know, coming out of nowhere from the UMass and, you know, the, his great story that we all know. But but it could have just been that. It could have been two really good years, one great year, and, and, and bye-bye. He's gone. I mean, you have that type of injury, the same injury that Jimmy Graham is trying to come back from now. You don't know if you're ever going to be the same type of player. Explosion, cuts, I mean, flat out just staying healthy on a field, worrying that if you're going to pop that injury. I mean, he said that type of injury, they liken it to getting shot with a, a, you know, a bullet in the legs. And I can't imagine that type of pain. So uh, I, hope, I hope for the Giants, hope for Eli, and hope for the Giants fans out there that he does come back and is you know 80% of the type of player he was because he was really, really good when healthy. Telling you guys, Jalen Shepard is that guy you want to watch in that Giants wide receiving core. Just saying, look out for that guy. Sam Bradford, we spoke about him briefly before. He's on the Vikings. Can he lead them to the promised land? Is three a charm for him? Because this is his third team. He was, he was with the St. Louis Rams, the then St. Louis Rams, who are now Los Angeles. Spent the year in Philly, didn't work out with Chip. Now he's with the Vikings at the surprise blockbuster trade. I would hope. The good in me would hope that Sam Bradford can finally show that he's actually a really good NFL quarterback and he gets a playoff chance with the Vikings, but I don't see it happening only because he has to learn so much in so little time. And and I feel like Sean Hill is going to take the first one or two starts. Yeah, we've already heard that Mike Zimmer is uh, keeping under wraps who he's going to start this Sunday. I, I don't think it's because he's trying to trick the opposition. I think it's because he honestly has no idea who he wants to start. On paper, it's Bradford because... He's got the tools, uh, you know, but Sean Hill knows the offense. So I think he'll end up going with Sean Hill. I think Bradford will probably come in second quarter, if not third. Uh, and I like this. I like this for both, all parties involved. Bradford gets the opportunity to go to a team that actually wants him. Uh, he's got some weapons up there, especially at his running back, who's playing in a contract year. Uh, who knows? Wild card? I, I don't see it. I don't see it out of the realm of possibility. And again, I hope for his sake that he, you know, at least if they did, they, depending on what happens with Teddy Bridgewater, he may not stay in Minnesota, but this, a good season may get him another deal somewhere else. We're going to speed it up to the Super Bowl. We're going to look toward the Super Bowl into our crystal ball real quick. I know we gave our predictions last week, and if you remember, I picked the Green Bay Packers over the New England Patriots, but... Uh, if Eddie Lacy gets to the Super Bowl with the, with the Packers, is it a chance that he wins the Super Bowl, becomes the MVP, and then becomes the poster boy for P90X? For those <laughs> who don't know, Lacy lost a lot of weight, got in shape with the P90X program over the offseason after it said he was fat and out of shape. Uh, the coach, Mike McCarthy, got on his case about it, so now he's back in shape, so I can imagine he'll pull a Peyton Manning and he'll sponsor P90X after he wins the MVP. Can we see the Texans get a home game in the Super Bowl? They will play the Super Bowl at the NRG Stadium, which is in Houston. So if the Texans make it, they get a home Super Bowl game. Do you see either happening? 
I like Eddie Lacy. I, I, I like the way he runs. I like the fact that he can catch out of the backfield. It'll be interesting to see if how much his game changes without that extra, you know, 30, 35 pounds of, of pure bulk because he likes to drop his shoulder and run guys over. Uh, it, it could be great. You know, he does still have, you know, Starks is still back there as his backup. Could take some touches away. Uh, could also help. You know, I just hope it doesn't hurt, uh, you know, Lacy in the red zone getting those extra opportunities. Uh, as far as Houston, Lots of question marks. Osweiler got a huge deal, but, you know, he started how many? Five games last year, so it it's, it remains to be seen. He's got plenty of uh, wide receivers, so that'll definitely help. Lamar Miller got a huge deal, but it's still Lamar Miller, so I, I don't know. The defense is great. J.J. Watt's going to play in the first week. Defense can definitely carry them into the playoffs like it did last year, but for them to, to succeed and go further, they need Brock Osweiler to earn all of that money, and as of right now, I just can't say with any certainty that that's, that's for sure especially in the division that they're going to be coming out of. Yes, they should win it. They should they should obviously, you know, take down the Colts and take down the Jags, but is it enough to to compete with the with the best of the best in the AFC? I don't think just yet. Why, why am I not surprised you're sticking up for your boy John Elway's decision to let Brock Osweiler walk away to Houston? I am not surprised. You Mike shouldn't be. One, bit, one iota. Mm-mm. But speaking of your boy John Elway and his idiotic quarterback personnel moves, we got Trevor Simeon starting the season for the Broncos. Do you think he's going to embarrass John Elway for letting all these guys go, Mark Sanchez, Brock Osweiler, or just not just starting Paxton Lynch early? I don't know if embarrassed is the right word. I just don't. I just, yeah, I just think it's this is going to be a failed experiment. And I'm pulling for Simeon, but this is a guy that barely played in in college. He was a you know he was a, a backup, I guess you could say, with Northwestern and seventh round pick. And look, we're all looking for that next Tom Brady. And who knows? John always a lot smarter when it comes to football than most everyone in the world. Uh, but it's it's hard to say. He had some good preseason moments, but again, you drafted Paxton Lynch, and the first moment that this guy. Simeon struggles, the fans are going to be calling for Paxton Lynch's name. So unless Simeon comes out of the gate and torches uh, Carolina for 21 quick points, it's going to be a tough game because that Carolina defense, even though they might have lost a piece or two with Josh Norman, etc., is still going to be relentless. They're still going to be really good in Carolina, and Cam should be pissed. And they, they want they want it. They want you know some kind of uh, payback. And I think Thursday night they're going to lay the lumber on Trevor Simeon. I wonder who's going to be worse in their debut. Is it going to be Trevor Simeon or Carson Wentz? I got to flip a coin on that. Wow. But uh, going back to two teams that hold a place in Mike and mine and my heart separately, two different teams. The Jaguars are they as good as people think they are? A lot of people pick them to win the division as a surprise team or make the playoffs. Are the Raiders finally back? Now I'll answer the second part of this. Now say yes, the Raiders are back. The Broncos basically gave away their division contendership with, with starting Trevor Simeon because even as as we see, the NFL is only 16 games. So you lose one or two games with a bum quarterback, that could be a playoff spot that you lost. So I, I believe tre- the Trevor Simeon decision was a mistake. It hands the Raiders that division. I know the Chiefs are going to be pretty good, but I got the Raiders winning it. As far as the Jaguars, I think they're still a year away because I don't like their offensive line. No, offensive line is a concern. Blake Bortles staying upright is going to be a, a concern. We do know that he has a tendency, went down in the red zone, to throw those pick sixes. So that's why they went out and they signed a guy like Chris Ivory, who can hopefully can take the ball, take the pressure off of Bortles. And th- and that's why, you know, they're saying this year that, you know, stay away from, or, or not so much stay away, but be aware that he's not going to throw the ball as much, especially when they're down with all those garbage points, because, you know, that that's when bad things happen. So, you know, be mindful if you own a guy like Alan Hearns or, you know, Alan Robinson's going to get his, but watch for Julius Thomas. Uh, I'm pulling for the Jags. I think they've got a nice, a nice core that they can really continue to build around. But they're they're not 
they're not there just yet. Uh, you know, I can see them coming in second, maybe a wild card, but it could be a stretch. I think honestly, you got to look at an eight and eight, an eight and eight season before you can start saying division win winner. Uh, so let's say eight and eight this year. Add a couple pieces next year. Super Bowl champions. Blake Bortles coming out of Central Florida. How about that? Sticking in Florida. Uh, Jameis Winston, real simple. Is he the next Andrew Luck? Whereas people see him as the next great thing, the next great quarterback in that generation. Yeah, I mean, I, he could be. He looked great. Uh, you know, he looked great at times last year, and then he looked horrible. He lost a ton of weight. He, they say he's in the best shape of his career. We know he's got a cannon. We know that he's a smart football player on the field. Uh, we know that he's got mobility. So he's got all the intangibles. He could be an Andrew Luck type of player, but that team around him is not very good. So, you know, you, you got to see, you know, wh- what happens when the team, you know, starts, you know, 0-4, 0-5 out the gate, 1-7, whatever it might be, how much how much he's really into it. You know, can he rally the troops? troops he, i mean he's very possible that he can do a cam newton and and bring his team you know from not making the playoffs all the way to you know potentially winning the super bowl so he's got the ability but he needs doug martin to have another good year he needs uh, mike evans to play at his top of his game he needs vincent jackson to stay healthy sephron jenkins i mean the defense is really 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 shabby so it's just going to be tough but if you had to say, uh, you know, on skill level alone, yeah, Winston's got it. He's got it, and, you know, he should be a pro bowler within the next three to five years. Awkward transition back to defense. How much is Josh Norman's absence going to affect the Panthers' defense? Now, before you answer, I've got a lot of flack for this. I think his absence is going to affect the Panthers' defense somewhat because they're going to have two rookie cornerbacks back there. So when they play teams like the New Orleans Saints, or we just spoke about Jameis Winston and his weapons, Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson, if they're on point, Carolina's, the back end of that defense is going to be in trouble. Now, I know people are going to say, well, they have a great front seven, and they do, but what happens when that ball gets up in the air? Are those rookies going to be able to stop the wide receivers in that, in that pass attack? I, I don't see it happen. I see the Panthers in a dogfight with the Saints for that division title. I think Josh Norman, even though he is not a man-to-man cover cornerback, I believe his his presence on the field meant a, a lot more than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I mean, it basically takes away, you know, half of the field when there's a shutdown corner like that. You know, you know that he's going to be on your, your receiver's best best wide receiver and half of the time you know they're not going to look his way so yes it's going to be felt uh no it was not he was not worth all that money from washington and if anybody was going to pay him it was going to be daniel snyder so congratulations for that uh but i but i think carolina is still going to be a really really good team i i still have them going to the super bowl i think i think it's a team concept ron Ron Rivera has just got these guys on the same page uh they play for one another it's a great atmosphere and uh you know i think it'll be his his loss will be felt in the beginning of the season but i think by the halfway mark uh, they'll be moved on and and who knows maybe one of these rookies will step up and be the next coming heading to the nfc west now how long will it take before we get a one-on-one death match between gm trent bulky and owner jed york after the 49ers crash and burn i know chip kelly is the guy he's an offensive guru he's got blaine gabbard i don't know how great that is kaepernick is behind him will kaepernick ever stand for the anthem this year we don't know i'm sure that the hoopla behind his his cause is going to die down as the season goes on that's just how things are people get wear and tear tired of things and once it's a story and it blows up and people have their reaction their emotions it dies down there's a lot going on in san francisco for a team who's going nowhere near the playoffs they're probably a 5 and 11 6 and 10 team at best but there's so many storylines there. Will Kaepernick play? Will he dress? Are they going to release him after this year? How how well will Gabbard do with the weapons that he has? Is Carlos Hyde going to have a good year? What about the front office? Are they going to stay intact? A lot of questions there, Mike. 
too many questions, and and uh, I kind of feel bad for Chip Kelly. He went from the you know the frying pan into the fire. Uh, you know he 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 screwed up in Philadelphia. He made a lot of bad moves, and you know he went he goes to Phil he goes to San Fran, and he doesn't have the type of power, and and guys are retiring left and right, and now you've got controversy at his feet, and it's just he can't just really worry about football, and because he's a coach, that's what he was good at Oregon. That's why he won all those games. That's why he got the opportunity in Philly, and and now he's he's still got plenty of other things around him that are taking away you know his concentration and I know these are professionals and they get paid a lot of money but you can't tell me that it's not whether you agree with it or not it's still a distraction so you know uh Carlos Hyde can't stay healthy. He already got a concussion in the fourth uh, preseason game. I mean, Blaine Gabbert, really? Like, Blaine Gabbert, who used to play for the Jaguars, was a top five pick. Like, wow, this is your starting quarterback because, obviously, he's got more right now in his arm than Colin Kaepernick. There's just too many question marks. This team is not going anywhere anytime soon and could potentially be in the top three for... Leonard Fournette, maybe one of the quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson. Who knows? But they will be right at the top of the draft next year. Absolutely. One, a team that's going to be at the top of the division next year, the Seattle Seahawks. Are they going to transition from a run-heavy to a pass-heavy team that at beast mode is out there doing his thing? He's not doing it for the money. He's not doing it so he can't get fined. He's doing his own thing. I think Russell Wilson, who had the light bulb go off just like Cam Newton last year, had a, had a I believe, cry and touchdown uh, throws. He's going to have his weapons. He's going to have Doug Baldwin. People think he's going to step back. I think he's going to be more level. Of course, he's not going to be as high, highly productive as he was to end the season. But I think he has a decent year. You also have Curse there and Tyler Lockett. So I think the Seahawks are going to be known more as a pass-heavy team here on out. I know they have Thomas Rawls, but he's going to be injured. I believe he's going to be limited the first couple of weeks. Here's my MVP prediction, Mo. Oh gosh, Russell Wilson. He's he, he just is. I mean, they they are going to put the ball in his hand so many so many times. Whether it's running, passing, whatever it is. And the thing I love about him, even more so than Cam Newton, where Cam Newton will ball over somebody to get in the end zone. This guy's just gonna he's just gonna play it easy. He's gonna step out of bounds. He's gonna slide. He's just smarter with his body because he's not the the, the size of a Cam Newton, but he's just got a great arm. He's a smart guy. He, he's a he's a leader. He's everything you want in your quarterback. He averaged 252 yards a game last year, and they're saying that he's gonna get 30% more of an opportunity to pass the ball now with their current running back situation. So what are we talking? 280-ish yards, 40, 50 yards running on the ground, five, four, five touchdowns a game. This guy is set up for success. Pete Carroll loves him. He can do no wrong, and I think he's gonna have a fantastic year. And and if he Rawls is gonna be on a pitch count so to speak this this week uh christine michael maybe you know we'll see he ran okay after being cut by the cowboys when he went back to seattle last year but i those are that's not a running game that i trust so if you've got all those weapons tyler lockett doug baldwin jimmy graham's gonna even play you're gonna use him and and i think the central piece of that offense is russell wilson and finally will jeff fisher make us all laugh and go seven and nine once again with the Rams. Seven and nine. I don't know if they're gonna get to seven and nine. That might be six and what six and ten? Seven and nine seems like a lot. I watched Hard Knocks. Um oh the only thing I will say, and you had your sleeper pick for fantasy pickup, and you know, Steve Smith, that's good. I mean, you know, he's got his AARP card. But mine is actually uh Tavon Austin. I love this guy. Uh he he does it all, you know, whether it's coming out of the backfield, going on short routes, beating the defender long. I think he's real I think, you know, he could be the next uh Steve Smith, maybe even a little bit more versatile. Obviously, who's gonna get him the ball? 
totally another question. But uh, Jeff Fisher, they love him there. I don't know if he'll ever get fired. I don't know if he can do any wrong, maybe except go 0-16 and lose his job because he's been there for so long. And uh, I don't. it's not necessarily a good thing, but uh, that's just it's a weird team. They have a good defense, they have a great running back, and the rest of it is all kind of muddled in between. But hey, you're playing in the City of Angels, so enjoy yourself. Yeah, so, I mean, if that doesn't get you hype, if all those storylines, we ran off about 18 to 20 of those, if that doesn't get you hype in the NFL season, I don't know what will. So many questions, so many answers that need to come forth in this season. We'll see how it all shakes out for the reality of the NFL. And for your fantasy teams, if you took a chance on somebody, if you went with a guy really high like Gurley, I was scared to pick Gurley early only because I know they're going to stack the box against him. I know they didn't stop a guy like Adrian Peterson, but I don't see Gurley as Adrian Peterson yet. Yes, he had a good first rookie year, but I just worry that the Rams are so anemic in offense that he's not going to get the pop that people think he's going to get with the first-round pick in those standard leagues. But again, a lot of questions, a lot of answers to come. Stay tuned. NFL season is around the corner. Of course, you'll hear it here on the Mike and Mo Show. We'll go through every storyline. We'll we probably revisit some of these. There'll be new storylines through the season. And it'll, again, it'll all be here on the Mike and Mo Show. Open Mike. One of my favorite things to whisper to myself, call me weird, it, on Sundays is when I see a touchdown and I go, Drew Brees, Drew Brees. And I think you're going to hear that a lot this Sunday against Moe's Oakland Raiders. But before we get into that, uh, Mr. Brees got a little bit richer today. Now, Mo, we were talking about this pre-show and this contract, which is essentially a, a one-year extension, pays him $44.25 million guaranteed over the next Two years. So it's essentially a two-year deal that buys out his final year of franchise capability. I'm totally confused, Mo. Uh, maybe you can make more sense of it for me, but it's $20 million this year and $24.25 million in 2017. Wow. Yeah, let's just simplify this, okay? He's he he's going to play this season for the Saints. He's going to play next season for the Saints, mm-hmm. okay? That's all we know right okay. now. Yeah. Because as you know, these things change, and... Again, I, I feel like this is kind of odd only because we could be in the same situation next year where it's like, okay, do you extend Breeze again? How is he doing? I, again, he's, he's 37 years old, so it's kind of a year-by-year basis. It's kind of the Fitzpatrick plan where, of course, he's way better than Fitzpatrick, but what I'm saying is that you take it year-by-year year to see what he does and how you extend him. Initially, I heard he was going for four years and $100 million, $25 million a year, and I was like, that's a lot for a... Yeah. Not a lot, but a long time for a 37-year-old quarterback. So you're going to have him until he's 41 years old. And then someone compared him to Peyton Manning and said, well, even if he is 40 and he isn't the same breeze and he doesn't have that zip or accuracy, he could be like Peyton Manning where his intelligence brings enough for the field to keep him as a starter because a breeze at that state is better than no breeze at all. And what I tell those people is, yeah, that makes sense for Peyton Manning in Denver when he had a... And a great defense, yeah. but New Orleans does not have that. And no. They haven't had that since when 2009, when they won the Super Bowl, and that defense wasn't great. It was they forced turnovers. They were good, but not great. So let's not compare his situation to Peyton Manning's situation because, but Dennis Allen, who's a former Raider coordinator, that defense is going to be mediocre again. So they're going to squeeze the most they can out of Breeze, 
and hope that he gives him another 33, 32 touchdowns and, and less than 10 interceptions, 10 interceptions or less. We'll see. Uh, Mike, I'm going to push back on that comment. Of course, we're going to take game picks later, so I'm going to save the whole Raider thing for later, but I don't think he's going to be zipping it around a field like you think he is. All right, it's fine. We'll talk about it in a moment. Um, over to the L.A. Rams. Jared Goff, who was the first pick in you know a couple months ago's NFL draft, is not even going to suit up in uniform for the first game of the season. Um Kind of a weird move. He's going to be a healthy scratch, and the uh, they're going to go with Case Keenum as their starter and Sean Manning as their backup. Uh, according to Mr. 7 and 9 himself, uh, Jeff Fisher, he's, he says, Jared's had a great camp, so is Sean. Case is clearly our starter. Uh, I think week one is to just settle things down. It's probably going to be, like I mentioned last week, it's going to be three in an inactive. That's just how it goes. So you're telling me that hit by him, Watching the game this year, this week, next week he's going to be a seasoned veteran and he'll be ready to back up Case Keenan. What kind of sense does that make? No one understands Mr. 79, a.k.a. Jeff Fisher at this point. When he first said Case Keenan was the guy to start, I laughed and I said, yeah, right. Because he also, this is the same that I said, well, we don't know who we're going to pick. We don't know if we're going to go with Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. We, we're not sure. And we all knew he was going with Jared Goff. But... I looked up his history, and he has a history of not starting his top five picks early. Steve McNair was drafted number three overall in 1995 to the, to the Oilers, the Houston Oilers. He was active for four games and started two in his rookie year, then only started four games in the following season. He didn't start a full year into his third season, and that was Steve McNair. He's pretty good. God rest his soul. Uh, in 2016, the Titans drafted Vince Young number three overall. And he played two of the three first games in his rookie year. He did, and Kerry Collins played most of those games, and he played all the third game. So Jeff Fisher doesn't have a pattern of not throwing his young quarterbacks, no matter where they're drafted, top five, top three, into the fire right away. I still think Jared Goff starts at some point this season. He comes out of the street clothes because first week, Jared Goff can pretty much show up there dressed like me in, in a uh, tank top and shorts. And he'll be fine, but again, by week eight or nine, I think he's going to be on the field under center. I just don't get it. You you, you traded up to get this guy. You mortgaged, you know, the every, your future for him. Really, you got rid of Nick Foles, who I think would have been a better option than Case Keenum. I mean, Case Keenum's fine, but you know, I, I, at least this guy he knew he knew the offense. He knows the offense. It's kind of like starting over, and you're going to let this guy just, just chill on the bench and, and hope for the best next next week and the week after that. And, again, you got a guy like Todd Gurley who may be the best running back in the league. You know, he still does have that injury concern. you got to be careful. And if you watch Hard Knocks, you, you knew that Fisher said, do not touch 30, do not touch 30. So that that's their team. If, God forbid, Gurley goes down, you might as well just move, the, the, move him back to St. Louis because it won't matter. <laughs> this is definitely the Minnesota Vikings West over there. They're, they're depending, they're putting all their weight on one running back to take them to the promised land. And again, I maybe I'm just old school, but I think he needs to be in uniform. I know they're not going to play yeah. him or anything, but I just just put him in uniform and, and have him get that feel of the game. Because if he's in, you know, t-shirt, whatever, I think he would just feel detached. If you're going somewhere and you just have your street clothes on, everyone's dressed in gear. I think you would just feel like you, you're not a part of the team. So I, I would dress him, but who knows? There are probably other roster reasons why they, they're not going to have him active, and I understand that. 
But I, I don't think you do this to a guy if you think he's going to be a superstar. If you think he's like a Cam Newton or Andrew Luck or James, even Jameis Winston or Mariota or Bortles. Could you see those guys coming into the league and in their street clothes for the first week? I don't think so. Not at all. It just gives everybody the notion that he's more Jamarcus Russell, that he's just not the guy and that he needs he needs a lot of work. And, you know, again, Hard Knock showed some good things about him, also showed that he didn't know where the sun rises and sets. And, you know, uh, that's just a rookie. And he's got a lot of he's got a lot of ways to go. But like you said, it just doesn't doesn't really comprehend doesn't doesn't make sense why you would sit your first overall pick if you're not going to play him so holding the clipboard is going to make me nervous enough to 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 not succeed in my future like come on man you're over he's overthinking it like he's just way too feng shui trying to be california cool right now when it's just like you know what i'm not going to play the guy even if he's third string who cares you know about some california cool i'm sure but uh, (laughs) speaking of clipboard holding Chase Daniel, who is a notorious clip holder, mm-hmm. clipboard holder in Kansas City, will be doing the same in Philly because even though Sam Bradford has went over to Minnesota, the Eagles have butchered their quarterback situation like the Denver Broncos have, and they've elevated Carson Wentz to the starting quarterback, even though he was out with a rib injury, didn't show up for the last three preseason games, played in the first preseason game, stunk it up, of course, and now he's a starter on week one. Huge huge error by the Philadelphia Eagles organization. I believe they butchered butchered this. Why did you even sign Chase Daniel if you felt like you were already going to start Carson Wentz if Bradford either was injured or not there? It just doesn't make sense to me. Hey, Mo! Hey, Mo! It's your favorite guy. It's the Philly fan, Mo. Mo, (laughs) thanks for having me on the show, Mo. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with Donald Trump this week. Um, it, It went something like this. I was like, Carson Wentz, greatest guy ever. He didn't sign my autograph, but it's fine. He is going to be the next John Elway. And and Donald Trump was like, no, he's going to be the next Tony Romo. And, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? Called him a couple names. I had a hoagie. Things were okay. I popped on an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Things were better. But I don't understand why you are giving my man Carson Wentz so much grief. He's a nice Middle Western boy. He's got a lovely family. I think he's going to lead us to a 7-9 and nine Jeff Fisher season. And come next year, we will be back in the playoffs because that is what the Philly fan thinks. Thank you. That's another Philly. That's a different Philly guy. Totally different. I mean, Philly come guy. on. I mean, seriously, but we're going there. But um, yeah, I mean, no, they they butchered it. Philadelphia is going three and thirteen. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn. They're going three, if they're lucky, that's if Darren Sproles turns the clock back five years, that's I mean, not gonna happen. Carson Wentz, yep. who has only played one preseason game, starting for your football team with an injury-prone running back, you have one wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar couldn't catch the save his life last year. USC, you like I I don't I don't understand it. Their defense is going to be okay. They got they got offensive line issues now because as you heard, Lane Johnson could be suspended, so yeah. that's another hit. I don't know. I don't think you throw Carson Wentz out there and let him get crushed on a bad team. You got to start Chase Daniel. Let him be the fall guy. Listen to listen to Chris Carter. Pick, get a fall guy. Let him take the hits. And then you throw Carson Wentz out there midway, maybe three quarters through the season. But what do I know? I'm just on here screaming on the radio slash podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't run the Eagles, but I'm sure if I did, they wouldn't be three and thirteen. They'd probably go at least seven and nine, Jeff Fisher style. But you know who knows? Well, I have a question for you now. Let what do you think does more harm than good? Sitting a guy like Jar, uh, Jared Goff for 
X amount of weeks. It could be one. It could be two. It could be three. Well, letting him rot on the bench and watch, not even in uniform, or starting Carson Wentz, who's recovering from a broken rib, and he gets destroyed, or his psyche gets destroyed, goes 0-3, and now you have to bring in uh, Chase Daniel. Which one do you really think does more harm than good long-term to these guys? By far, the Carson Wentz situation, because if if his confidence gets shaken, they have to for Chase Daniel, how's that going to make him look? People, yeah. if people, especially people start booing him, then when he comes back into the lineup to start, he has to get over the bad performance and the fans booing him. Yeah. So I, I think it, you know, at least with the Jared Goff situation, you kind of understand. You just want to sit him, let him learn the game. Hopefully, he pays attention even in his street clothes and he's not you know on his phone or something like that. Snapchat. But you don't put a quarterback out there to get crushed. No. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I guess we got to talk about. Some some knuckleheads because what would Mike and Mo show be without talking about some knuckleheads? So, um, you know, a little sad because these are two guys straight out of Florida. Um, I guess we'll talk. Well, since we're talking about football, we'll stay we'll stay in the world of football. But uh, Bruce Miller, fullback for um, all pro fullback, should add for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, like they don't have enough going on right now. Uh, decided that it would be a good idea to beat up a seventy year old man and his son. Um, details of the story, a little, little murky, but we have seen some of the footage that shows him bloodied like a, uh, like a pig on a farm. Um, for some reason was intoxicated, goes to Fisherman Wharf, uh, the Fisherman Wharf area in San Fran and starts to knock on hotel doors thinking he was, it was, he was staying there, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, so he left, couldn't get in the room, come back the next day, uh, in the morning. And, uh, sources say, no, I guess it was the wee hours of the morning. Uh, sources say he returned, knocked on a couple doors. Uh, one of the guests opened, and that's when a Mil- uh, Miller allegedly began attacking the guest. The young man, they didn't specify his age, uh, but obviously, you know, do the math, his father was in his 70s, give or take. Uh, so, uh, Miller and the man start fighting. The father, understandably, comes to the defense of his son, and Miller just starts wailing on both of them uh next thing you know miller fleed he fled the the scene uh he was apprehended shortly after but the both the father and his son were had, taken to the hospital and uh they did charge miller with assault with a deadly weapon uh and two counts of criminal theft and battery so uh 49ers got enough press going on decided right then and there cutting miller ex-ucf guy was a linebacker back in the day now he's a fullback so be it but uh, according to sources miller was hammered and again if you saw that picture it was all over instagram he certainly was a lot of something. So, um, just what a, what a, what a, I guess, there's, you know, they say there's no such thing as bad press, but this certainly would seem like it to me, Mo. Yeah, it's definitely bad press, especially for the 49ers after all the stuff that's been going on around them. People have quickly connected this to the Kaepernick situation, two different situations here. Obviously, this guy is clearly in the wrong. You don't assault a 70 year old person that could be someone's grandfather, probably is. Um, and it, it, it just no excuse for it. And I believe the 49ers hand, handled it well. They released him. He was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. So everything was handled. So there's nothing to be outraged over as far as people saying, well, why is, why is there no outrage? Well, it was handled properly. He was released, doesn't have a job, and he's being charged. So one thing I will say is if you're going to use the word hate, people use it in connection with Kaepernick's situation, this would be the time to apply it to a guy who, who pounds on an innocent 70-year-old man. Just no excuse for it. Yeah, and, you know, everybody's going to point to, oh, he was intoxicated. Well, you know, no one forced him to get inebriated and do something really, really stupid. So, again, you're a grown-ass man. You got to take, uh, take take the repercussions of what you do. And if that means losing your job, 
and then so be it. We always say here on our show that you are a representative of your brand, of your company. You, you are an employee of the San Francisco 49ers, you know, one of only a handful of teams in the world that are, are professional football teams. And if you do something stupid, you're going to pay the price. So uh, so be it, you know, whatever. Well, let's talk about the other knucklehead in Florida. Talk about my man, Ryan Lochte. Uh, Ryan Lochte suspended the whole 10 months. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like this was a lot. I mean, I know he he. What? I, yeah, I know. Don't get me look. Look, I know. I know he did. He he elaborated on the truth. He was stupid, but whether you think whether you think he lied or not, he was still in a foreign country. They didn't speak oh, his language, and he yes, he might have like obviously he 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 went he went a little bit above and beyond, but a whole a whole ten months. This, like it seems like a lot. Mike, you've been you've been sticking up for this Ryan Lochte character <laughs> since the beginning. Since this whole story broke, you've been kind of on the Ryan Lochte I mean, side, defending him, kind of being his PR guy. I, listen, if you falsify our, you know, records and stuff like that, you deserve some type of repercussion. Sometimes, sure. Back to the states, and he gets a spot on Dancing with the Stars. Well, that I don't, that I don't agree with. That's yeah, that's ridiculous. Come on, yeah. seriously, he needs some type of. I mean, ten months. He, I mean, Hope Solo got six for what she said. This guy gets 10 for what he did. So I, I say, you know, sayonara. He, he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for crime and punishment, you know, all that good stuff, war and peace. But, you know, I just thought it was a bit much. Uh, you won't be able to compete. He won't be able to compete in any of the championships in 2017. Uh, but, hey, you know, again, you do the crime, you do the time. You know, it is what it is. But that is it for the open mic. We're going to be right back with uh, most favorite segment because it's named after him. <laughs> It's now time for Building Momentum. Well, we're going to get to our picks in just a little bit. But before we do, of course, we want to bring you into the world of Bet DSI. For those who, uh, you know, who love and live sports, this is a time of year that is loaded with events. Of course, the NFL is about to hit back in action. MLB and PGA are going strong, and the UFC has some great fights in the mix. We also have the most entertaining presidential race ever with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton providing all the free comedy we can handle for the rest of the year. With all these events going on, it's a great time to join BetDSI.com for all your sports wagering action. Watching games are fun, but when you have a little bit, just a little bit riding on the outcome, it gets real exciting. I actually play there myself. Why? Because they're A-plus rated in most sports book review sites and have excellent, excellent customer service. They offer all sorts of odds on NFL and NCAA football and all major league sports leagues and also have some fun options to bet the 2016 presidential election, which would be a clown show, and reality TV shows and so much more. The BetDSI site is quick, mobile access works great, and it's very easy to use. Playing there makes watching games a lot more fun and intriguing for sure. So here's the thing. Here's what you need to remember. As a Mike and Mo Show listener, BetDSI is currently having a fantastic promotion where you can actually try the site out for free. Simply sign up at BetDSI.com using the promo code MAN10. That's M-A-N, the number 10. Uh, you're going to get 10 free dollars, free 99 to bet the NFL or, you know, one of the many other sporting events around the world happening right now. Again, promo code is MAN10. Use that code and you'll be ready to, you know, have some fun, pick some games, maybe even pocket some cash. You know, again, that's BetDSI, Mike and Mo Show, MAN10. All right, Mo, we are here. We are ready to talk plenty more NFL so let's start it up. Let's keep this. Let's keep this engine a moving because I, I'm just salivating at the idea of Broncos Panthers in a couple hours. 
Yeah, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna zip it back to actually zip it forward to tomorrow night when the Broncos and Panthers kick off. There's one person who's not exactly happy about Broncos Panthers, especially it being in Denver. Ron Rivera is complaining that really doesn't want to start the Super Bowl rematch on the road. He's crying about you know. It, I think he felt like if it was in Carolina, it would be okay, which I think it's silly to say because it's like okay, if you want it to be in Carolina, maybe you should have won yeah. the big game. Sure. I mean, cry, cry me a river. Next time you win the Super Bowl, maybe it'll benefit you next time. But this has gone on for 20-something-odd years. You knew the deal. You knew what was going to happen. You knew the calendar event. You knew the time. You knew the day it was going to happen. You know you're going to be on the road. So why cry about it now, about you having to scramble? I know Mike is pointing out that Denver is starting with a new quarterback. They got Trevor Simeon. So, Ron Rivera, stop crying. You're probably going to win the game anyway. Trevor <laughs> Simeon is nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he said, oh, we only have a week to prepare where other teams have 10 days and you need all that you can have. Are there not Thursday night games every week for forever now? I mean, this is not something new. And at least, yes, you, you may only have, what do you say, oh, a week to prepare. But it's better than during the regular season when you have, like, five days and, you know, you're getting beat up every week week i mean it was preseason last week where you really didn't play any of your starters and now you're going into week one on thursday and then you get more days off than everybody else except for the broncos for week two so i don't really know why he's complaining i mean i'm just you know i get i get it i hate thursday night games but you're the you know you're the defending nfc champion i like mo said you lost so you don't get to play home so sorry yeah absolutely so ron rivera you're a football head coach you preach toughness toughen up Man, uh, play the game. You're going to win the game, as I said, and move on. Mm -hmm. But we're going to move on to the story that never goes away, that it's not going away. Colin Kaepernick, we're going to talk Colin Kaepernick. Uh, His jersey is a top-selling jersey right now, and it's above a guy like the clueless Jerry Rice. Now, I'd say the clueless Jerry Rice because I didn't address this in the last episode of our podcast, but Jerry Rice threw out a law bomb and basically threw out the All Lives Matter comment, which I think is... It's kind of a clueless comment because a lot of people don't, I guess, don't understand what Black Lives Matter means. Again, I'm not an affiliate of Black Lives Matter, so let's make that clear. But the message is basically Black Lives Matter, not to say that all lives don't. Because Jerry Rice came out and said, well, all lives matter. Not just Black Lives, but all lives matter. And we get that, yes. We know all human lives matter. But in the case of Black Lives Matter, their message is just to say that we matter too. As to say, our lives matter just as much as everyone else's. And I'll give you two analogies and we'll move on, okay? First analogy, a cake analogy, okay? Everyone gets a piece of cake and then Mo doesn't get a piece of cake. And then someone says, Mo's hungry. And then the person who's giving out the cake says, yes, everyone is hungry. But since Mo didn't get his his cake, someone's going to say, well, Mo's hungry to say he needs his cake too. So, again, it's not saying everyone else is not and only Mo's hungry, but where is his piece of the pie? Where is his piece of the cake? Analogy two for Jerry Rice. If you're at a lupus rally, are you out there saying, well, what about suicide awareness? Why can't we raise awareness for that? You are at a lupus rally, my man. It's not about suicide awareness. Of course, that's a serious issue, too. But if you're at a lupus rally, you're going to support that cause. And that's what Black Lives Matter is. It's about pulling people's attention to a cause. Not to say that one life means more than another. It's just to say, hey, this is our cause. We feel like black lives don't matter in society. It needs to matter. That's all, Jerry. I know you were great at what you did in football, 49ers, Raiders. I get it. 
But you need to get with the program. You need to understand what you're saying before you're lobbing out comments. Rodney Harris got in trouble for his comments. Don't be the next guy who gets flamed by everyone who says, look, Jerry, you need to recant your statement and fix that. I'm enlightening you right now as a person who's in the know. I'm letting you know, do not lie the all lives matter statement out there. We get it. We understand all human lives matter. But right now, we're focusing on saving some black lives that shouldn't have been lost in the past. That is the point. Now, as far as Kaepernick, at first he received backlash, and now he's getting support. And I watched the game with the Raiders and the Seahawks. Jeremy Lane, the cornerback for the Seahawks, uh, he sat. Eric Reed, Colin Kaepernick's teammate, also kneeled with him. Uh, Megan Ripino, also of, C- of the Seattle Reign, who's a U.S. women's soccer player, she said it was an international nod to Kaepernick, and this was her comment. She said, I think it's actually pretty disgusting the way he was treated, Kaepernick, and the way a lot of the media has covered it and made it about something that it absolutely isn't. Basically, what she's saying is we made it about Kaepernick versus the troops when it was really about Kaepernick standing up for a group of people who felt oppressed. Now, she went on to say, and quite honestly, being gay, she is gay, I have stood with my hand over my heart during the national anthem, and I felt like I hadn't had my liberties protected, so I can absolutely sympathize with that feeling. Now, I attach this to the H2 bill in North Carolina, which legalizes discrimination against the LGBTQ community. Now, when you see that, and you see that bill being passed, you have to question, is it liberty and justice for all if it allows people to discriminate against you for your orientation? How can people literally think that it's okay to discriminate it's it i mean it, it's flat out that it's it's not okay uh and and it, again this is this is a great thing that's going on is we're having this conversation and even mm-hmm. guys like j cole and trey songs are wearing kaepernick jerseys at their concerts and it's reaching other people who may not even be involved in sports because they're asking the question even if they don't know who kaepernick is by now who is it what's what's the guy number seven you know 49ers who is it so it's it's creating the conversation it's keeping it alive it's going great you know since we since we spoke last time kaepernick is now going to donate all the money from the sales of the jerseys back to you know he hasn't said exactly what charity or what cause he's going to give it to but again it's headed in the right direction and that's exactly what i wanted to know is where is this going to continue to go now my only question mo is what happens if this guy never gets in another NFL game. Like, he has started something so positive, but does it eventually flame out because it will fall, it started on the shoulders of a person who may never be, uh, you know, an, an elite athlete or somebody that's in the mainstream media? Or or will it be bigger than that? Because, you know, I'm really curious that if Kaepernick, even if he does get in a game and plays like he did last year and eventually gets cut or whatever happens and he just becomes a regular dude, does does it does it help or does it hurt or does it do nothing to to affect change? I actually think it hurts it because and this is my pushback to people who say, well, Kaepernick's only doing this because he's no longer a good quarterback and he's doing this to to extend his spotlight. And I say, so what? Because guess what? If he was a backup quarterback like someone like Chase Daniel doing it, mm-hmm. no one would care. But because it's Kaepernick and he's been to a Super Bowl and he's in this media spotlight and he's been there, he's been a a good quarterback under Jim Harbaugh. That's why it's getting so much traction. Notice no one's talking about Jeremy Lane doing it. No one's talking about Eric Reed. Everyone's focusing on Kaepernick. Why? Because he has a platform. So what I, what I say to those people is, so what? He's using his spotlight to push his cause. This is what you'd want your athletes to do, some people. Not everyone, but some people say the Jim Browns of the world, the Muhammad Ali's, they would want an athlete with a high profile who doesn't get, who doesn't care about his, losing his money or endorsements to use his spotlight for the greater good. 
So what I say is, it, it's kind of sad that he's doing it now. Of course, you know, hindsight, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, he could have done it when he was in the Super Bowl, and that would have been great. But at least he's doing something, and he still has some spotlight. He still has some pulling media, and people are still paying attention, and it's catching waves from from the U.S. women's soccer team to other teammates to to a, a Nate Boyer, who's who's a Green Beret who mm-hmm. played in the NFL, who reached out to Kaepernick and said, "I support his decision to kneel." And that's where the whole kneeling thing came from. When he spoke to Kaepernick, and this is why I say Kaepernick is not selfish. He's actually listening to the other side because Nate Boyer came up to him and said, "You know what?" How about you not sit because it kind of shows that you're kind of lackadaisical and don't care. How about you just kneel? And Kaepernick was open to that, and obviously he, that's why he kneels now. So what I say to those people is this is a guy who's not only standing for a cause, but he's willing to listen to the other side. And I just ask the other people on the other side to listen to his side too because this is a two-way street. you got to have communications on both sides. You can't have one person compromising and another person taking a hard stance and being rigid, who someone will talk about in the next segment. But you got to have listening ears on both sides. And I'm glad we're getting more to the cause now where people are following Kaepernick. And now we're getting more to the issue and not the symbolic backlash of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, I, and just to get back to your uh, Jerry Rice point before, you know, we talked last week about Dancing with the Stars. And this is why I hate that show. Because you know what? <laughs> we talked about Megatron going on and he's going to do something foolish in like three or four years from now. So you know what? Jerry Rice, zip it. Throw away the key, you know, just do what you do. And, and I don't, I'm not really sure what that is right now, but there's just certain things where he might be a little out of touch with. And uh, and that's the thing is when, again, he's always going to have a platform because he is, you know, arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time. But, uh, you know, it's just certain things that you got to you know, maybe you got to have a little more information about or you just got to be a little bit more in, in check with what's going on in the world. I'm not really sure what it is. But, yeah, you just you got to you got to you got to think before you let you to let out those big bombs. And, and that's something that seems to be going on now in, in the world of hockey, which we'll talk, touch about next. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as you all know, I believe Rangers head coach, ex Rangers, ex coach yeah. John Tortorella. Is saying that if his players sit during the anthem, they're going to sit during the whole game. Now, the World Cup is around the corner. Now, I feel like that's a different venue where it's kind of like a nationalistic, patriotic type of event where you should show respect to your country, where you're from. But again, he has the right. Now, the NBA has a rule, repercussions that you must stand for the national anthem. Jobs can fire you because you're under their rules and regulations as an employee if you say something that they don't exactly agree with. I understand that, too. And to a smaller scale, Tortorella has a right to, to bench his players if he doesn't like what they're doing or if they sit for the anthem. That's up to him to do. But what I will say is that when you start throwing out rigid, I guess, restrictions like that, you're kind of you, you're gonna cause you're gonna ruffle some feathers because if someone on that team feels strongly about the actual cause, then it may not end well. You you may have a situation where it could blow up bigger than what it started as. Now, again, he, he's throwing it out. He's, he's basically drawing a line in the sand and saying, look, if you do this, this is going to happen. And I can respect that. But if a player feels strongly about what he's standing for, or should I say sitting for or kneeling for, he's going to do it anyway. Yeah, the thing I'll, you know, I'll say in, in Tortorella's defense is that at least he came out weeks before uh, you know this tournament takes place and, and let everybody know how he feels. You know, Obviously, he was asked, the media know that this guy's always been a little bit of a hothead, and he is you know the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning now. Uh, and at least he came out and said, that's how I feel. If any of my players sit on the bench for the National Anthem, they will sit there for the rest of the game, quote-unquote. Uh, so you know what? you got to respect that. And, and he's not talking about any particular 
reasoning. Colin Kaepernick, he's not getting into it. He's talking about what he wants for his team to stay focused. And like you said, it's it's about a national pride. This is a tournament of countries. This isn't, you know, one specific league in one specific country. This is every country in the world. And hockey's always been that way. It's very it's very prideful. It's all about, you know, putting that those colors on your back and going out there and it's about it's about the country so you know you you got to understand that it's it's a different complexity it's it's not it's just not the same dynamic as what colin kaepernick is going through whether you whether you again agree with with what tortorella is doing or not like you said he does have that right as the coach of the national team to speak his mind and i'm glad he didn't get into semantics and everything else about it he was just like here it is it's it's not it is what it is it's just how i feel i'm not going to give you any reasoning as to why i'm just telling you this is what i expect from my players and that's fine yeah, absolutely. I can respect that. I mean, if Chip Kelly were to say, Cap, if you keep on kneeling, I'm not going to start you. I can respect that. It's his decision. He's the head coach. He makes those decisions. Now, if a player does it anyway, it's, you know, he, he's obviously, he obviously knows what the repercussions are. He obviously knows what the result will be. So it, it all goes on to, you know, you have the freedom. You have the freedom to exercise your right to do what you want. One side on both sides. Again, I'm listening to both sides. He has the right to say what he said. As, as you know, as a person who handles the personnel on that team, and the person has a right to, you know, do what they do, whether they're protesting or not. But both sides just have to know what the result is going to be. But speaking of results, we're going to move on to week one of, or should I say, move back to week one of NCAA football. Some of the outcomes had people uh, chanting and blowing up my phone, blowing up my Twitter, blowing up my Facebook about Oklahoma losing to Houston. To I say, which is, uh, meh, well, at least they lost early in the season in week one versus losing in the last week of the season and losing in the playoff spot because, as we all know, one-loss teams get in every year, mm-hmm. and Oklahoma could still be there at the end. I still believe in Baker Mayfield. I'm not backing off. He actually had a decent game. Just came up short. I mean, Houston, Houston, trying to get into the Big 12. This is exactly how you do it. I mean, they jumped to the number five team in the nation in the newest poll. I mean, this is a team that's been good for a couple years now, and everybody just figures, eh, they'll go away eventually. But they didn't. I mean, they, they Greg Ward Jr. could be that new legitimate Heisman candidate taking out, you know, your boy Baker Mayfield. 321 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. I threw the ball to seven different receivers. Uh, I mean, you know, kudos to a small school that's about to do, you know, some big things. Uh, big things, or maybe not, or maybe it's just a flash in the pan. Who knows? Wow. But, um, yeah, there are some other games. Um, obviously, Ohio State beat uh, Bologna Green. I'm sorry, Bowling Green. Whoa! About that game. Um, uh, LSU took an L to Wisconsin, which I'm not really surprised. I think Les Miles is the Jeff Fisher of NCAA football because he basically does not believe in stretching the field or passing the football. It's, it's all about smash mouth, grind it out in the trenches type of football. Didn't work out this time. They played online Lambeau Field. I saw the pregame where Aaron Rodgers came on and predicted Wisconsin to win. All good karma because Green Bay's going to win the Super Bowl, as I said. Wow. Uh, moving on with Clemson and Auburn, uh, Deshaun Watson, who's a Heisman hopeful, didn't look impressive. The 19-34, one touchdown and one pick. But they got the W against Auburn, so that's a good look. Maybe Auburn's getting better with their defense. But uh, next week, if you're going to look ahead to next week real quick, UCF and Michigan, the khakis. Your UCF <laughs> Knights have to go to khaki town. Khakiville. And battle Jim Harbaugh. I, of course, I got Michigan winning at number five, Michigan. I, my prediction, I'm going to be nice about the prediction. I would say Michigan wins 59 to 14. The upset of the year, 35-28. <laughs> 
Knights are victorious. Jim Harbaugh pees his pants. The world is set ablaze from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Scott Frost, used to be the offensive coordinator of Oregon, is carried off on the shoulders of the Knights, who used to be the Golden Knights. Disney World throws a parade in week two of the NCAA season, and I kiss my fiance on the lips because she is a grad, and I think oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. But um, this is, I need to homer, folks, yeah. because his fiance went to, if his fiance went to Alabama. He wouldn't even be talking about UCF Roll on this time. show. How else would UCF yeah. get on this show? UCF, because they need to be that second team brought into the Big 12 right behind Houston. Uh, now, to get back to uh, Leonard Fournette, the guy ran for 176 yards. Uh, his quarterback threw for 21. There, I told you, I told you LSU was going to lose. There's a major disconcerting issue there. And, and it was a great question posed on, I forget, one, one of the radio shows to listen to this week. What happens if Fournette continues to rush 120, 180, 200 yards a game, and his team is just mediocre at best, five wins, maybe doesn't even get into a bowl game? Does he kind of pull what what my man the first pick overall in the nba draft did does he withdraw from school does he not even complete the season because he knows that he's going to be the first overall pick in the nfl draft because what is the what would be the point for him to continue to go out there week after week potentially hurt himself on a team that who knows Les miles could be fired by week four I mean, maybe he likes the game. Who knows? Maybe he actually likes being out there on the football field and being with his teammates. Now, think about this. If he actually does something like that, and football is one of those sports where you're part of kind of like a brotherhood, and you don't want one person giving up. No matter how what the situation is, giving up is probably the worst thing you can do as a football player. So I think he would get a lot of backlash if he pulls out and says, you know what? We're 4-4, and four, we're 3-4, and four, whatever it is. We're not in the chase for a playoff spot. I'm just going to shut it down. That's going to make him look like a Jadavian clowny and make him look lackluster as far as his drive and his passion for the game. So I don't even think he does it. If LSU is horrible, Les Miles gets fired, whatever the case, I think he finishes the season. Of course, people are going to say you should shut it down, but I think he finishes, goes on to the NFL, has a great career. Jadavian Clowney, who was also a first overall pick and got paid, Exactly. I mean, it, that's true, but I also have a criticism of Jadavian Clowney as him being, I just feel like he lacks football passion. I know he's been injured and he has played a lot of games and you can't control injuries. I get it. Your body, you're not in total control of your body when you're on the football field, but I just don't, I just don't see that fire from him. I'm not around him. I don't know Jadavian Clowney personally, but I just don't see it from him. He had that one big pop tackle that year and people went crazy over him ever since. And yeah, he was the number one pick, but he, has he really performed up to that up to that tag? Has he really performed like a like a JJ Watt who's also on his team who wasn't a number one overall pick? Uh, no, I, no, that's arguable. But real quick, a lot of people are are not happy with how far Houston went up on the polls. I feel like it is justified. Maybe Oklahoma, who's a favorite in some people's eyes, including mine, I think they I think they're in the right spot. You know, in the top ten. So I have no qualms about that. I don't see a team falling too far behind. People say, well, maybe Oklahoma fell too far. This team fell too far. How about Texas coming out of, with a win over your yeah. fighting Irish? Yeah. Well, they that happened because my coach, Brian Kelly, is a moron because he doesn't know which quarterback to play. Deshaun Kaiser. And Deshaun came out today and said, I feel like I'm the guy. Uh, yeah, you threw for almost 230 yards and you had six total touchdowns, 77 yards on the on the ground. Every time they put Malik Zaire in, the offense went 
non-existent, total, total bust. And how it just come on, man. You can't change every series with a different quarterback and expect to 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 really build anything. And look, I get that it was Notre Dame's defense which cost him that game because they gave up a crap ton of points. But it's still maybe Deshaun could have put up eight touchdowns, you know, like the guy in uh when Houston did, like or excuse me, Louisville did. I I, I who knows? But all I know is that you, you the two quarterback system, it's not gonna work. I don't care you're playing Nevada this week, which is who Notre Dame has. You got to be done with it. So Notre Dame drops from 11 to 18. Okay, I get that. But I don't know. Texas from unranked to 11? Yes. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you beat Notre Dame. I, I, I get it. But, you know, Notre Dame always defense questionable, especially in the secondary. I've seen a lot of Notre Dame games, and their secondary, no matter how good their front four and their linebackers are, that secondary likes to get toasted. So... Um, you know, again, Texas had a little bit of a dual threat thing going on as well. But again, their their quarterback who came in to run the ball just ran the ball. Zaire tried to do a little bit of both, and he just looked lost out there in time. So, um, you know, again, like you said, first week of the season is pretty much the only time you can lose a game and hope to come back from it. Uh, I hope for Notre Dame's sake they do. But, uh, yeah, and that, that just broke my heart because there were so many opportunities they had. But, if that, but then again, you look at the fact that they had to block an extra point and return that for two points just to get the game tied to go into overtime. So, you know, Texas deserved it. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Texas. I just think jumping that many spots was a uh, pretty, pretty uh, large jump there. So, so I'm going to give you one more chance to admit, Mike, you were kind of nervous in that Florida State game before Jameis Winston went in at halftime and gave that speech, weren't you? No, weren't you? no, because I think Ole Miss was playing over their heads. I, I mean, I understand that their quarterback is good and they got a nice team, but I was actually, I was, I was more disappointed that that they came out so soft. But if you know Florida State too, they they start a lot of games that way. You know, they it takes some. It's not going to be Jameis Winston every week giving him a pep talk, but they they do like to come from behind. And and their kid, their quarterback Francois from Orlando, uh, he he got destroyed on a number of hits, but he can he can sling the ball, man. He's really really good. And obviously they're going to be playing Louisville uh, real soon, and that's going to be a fun game. Uh, you know, winner of that kid could end up you know depending on what Clemson does could be up there challenging for the ACC championship. So uh, a fantastic week one of NCAA football. Some are saying the best ever. Uh, uh, for me, not not so much personally. Um, UCF win, but Notre Dame lost kind of kind of poo pooed the bed for me as far as uh, that's concerned. So uh, you know, if Notre Dame loses one more, I can basically put away all my Notre Dame shirts until next season. Yeah, pretty much. Why? Because we got game picks, and that's coming up next in the wrap up. The wrap up. New season, new thing we're doing here on the show. Even though it's the wrap up, we're gonna we're gonna implement from time to time our picks, the Mike and Mo show picks, Mike versus Mo, whatever you want to call it. Best versus not so best. We're gonna we're gonna have fun with this. We're gonna keep a tally going through the 17 weeks, and you know maybe the playoffs if, if we're if we're running neck and neck. But we're looking over the notes. It looks like Mo and I have a lot of things to disagree on in week one. So this will be fun. You know, weigh in on Twitter, Mike and Mo show. Let us know who you think is gonna win. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll just keep it going. So we'll start out with the Thursday night game, Carolina and Denver. Denver minus one. I have. The Panthers. Yeah, I mean, everyone should have. Yeah, the more if you have anything of value, sell it to put money down on the Panthers at Met DSI because if they do not win this game, laying a point, something is very wrong. 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly, this is one of the questionable lines. I with Trevor Simeon, Denver still minus one. I, you know, e- easy, easy money here. But okay, we got, we got, uh, I believe Minnesota at Tennessee. Minnesota minus one point five. I have the Tennessee Titans. On this. What? Yes. What? Sean Hill might start this game. That's why. It doesn't matter if. Grant Hill starts this game. Adrian Peterson is going to run all over this Tennessee defense. I'm talking like 180 yards and like two touchdowns. Stop. Like, yeah, so Vikings and a landslide, and, and it, it might no. even be my, my my man Sammy Brad. He might come in the game. I can't believe you just took the Vikings. Uh, the Titans. Are you disrespecting Dick LeBeau's defense like that? Because Dick LeBeau is the defensive coordinator of Tennessee Titans. Yeah. You don't think they're going to hand the ball to Adrian Peterson 30 times? He's preparing for that. I, I, you know what? It, unless Dick LeBeau's going to get out there and tackle somebody like he's 25, <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter because – I did uh, not impress from what I saw last year and what we saw in the preseason. But moving on, we're going to go to the AFC West. The San Diego Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Seven and a half Kansas City's laying. Um, even with that, I'm still taking the Chiefs. Yeah, you're drinking too much red Kool-Aid. Uh, take the Chargers on this one because at least you know the Chargers are healthy at this point in the season. They have their offensive linemen. Melvin Gordon did look good in the preseason. Don't underestimate Philip Rivers. He's got he's got Travis, I believe, uh, Travis Benjamin there, who's going to be wide receiver. Keenan Allen, also a stud wide receiver. It's going to be close than people think. Seven and a half is a large number. I see that game being apart maybe four or five points. Take the Chargers. Okay. All right, I have a question, Mo, because we didn't talk about this previously. It's good that we do this on the air. Um, are we are we taking winners with the spread or without the spread? Just straight up. Uh, I I did it with the spread. Oh, okay. See, I'm not. So I'm going with the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, seven and a half points is a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna change my uh, I'm gonna change my pick. I like Kansas City to win, but I like uh, like seven and a half points. Although again, anything's possible. Um, yeah. So moving on, Chicago Bears, Houston Texans, four and a half. That's not enough points. I think JJ Watt destroys the Bears. Yeah, definitely. J.J. Watt was originally going to be out for this game, and I picked the Bears to win without him. With him, the Bears are going to lose this game because, yes, they have two Pro Bowl guards, but their tackles are still eh. J.J. Watt's going to be that guy. That spread is not long enough. Remember, the Texans won six of their nine games last year by 10 points or more. So even though they had some crappy quarterbacks, they were able to still blow teams out. This is going to be another blowout for them. All right. Uh, here's the upset special of the week. And not yes. not, not for Mo Moten, but for Mike Calandrillo. Oh, the yeah. Oakland Raiders versus the New Orleans Saints. It's a one and a half currently. New Orleans uh, is favored to win. Now, I mean, do we really even need to ask Mr. Raider who he's got? Got to go with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. All right, put your money down with BetDSI.com and go with the Raiders. Get your money. I'm telling you, I scouted this game. People are scared of the Saints, but the Saints have been 7-9 and in their last 16 games at home, which is not impressive at all. Raiders with an improved defense. Their pass defense has looked good throughout the preseason. It's their, it's their run defense you want to worry about. But the Saints are on a good ground attack team anyway. It's all on Bree's, Bree's shoulders. And I think the Rays have the cornerbacks to defend him. What did I say earlier? Drew Brees! Drew Brees! Drew Brees is going to throw four touchdowns, and the Raiders are going to start their underachieving ways in 2016. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. You guys have no consistent 
running game. I don't care who you drafted in the third round. Latavius yeah, Murray. Fine. Yeah, Latavius Murray's yeah. a UCF product. I'd like him to do well. I just don't believe in it. So sorry, Mo. Uh, moving on, the Green Bay Packers, who, you know, is Mo's darling, is going up against the Jacksonville Jags. I can't believe it, but the Jags are only getting three and a half points. How do you not take Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson? Yeah, I, I know Jacksonville's got some upgrades on both sides of the ball, but it's the Green Bay Packers. Jordy Nelson is going to be on the field. Eddie Lacy with his P90X body. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all Green Bay. I mean, they, I think they went by a touchdown, so I don't think they're giving Green Bay enough respect on that line. But moving on to the Jets, Cincinnati at New York. Uh, New York is getting one and a half points. Got to go with New York. I hope Mike agrees with me on that because the Bengals are missing some parts of their offense. No Hugh, no Hugh Jackson whispering in Andy Dalton's ear. Who knows if he's going to come out with a spike here or not. We don't know if he's going to have the same pizzazz he had last year. The Red Rocket will not return to the Meadowlands. <laughs> no, you know, this game last year frightened me. Uh, this this year, not so much. Uh, one and a half. No, I mean, maybe it was three and a half. We'll talk five, six for sure. But one and a half, uh, I think, you know, Fitz, Fitzpatrick's got a lot to come out and prove. Uh, like you said, uh, without Eifert and a couple of those wide receivers that Cincinnati did not bring back, uh, it's just going to be too much pressure on, you know, Jeremy Hill and, uh, you know, the Red Rocket to really resume winning that division like they did last year. I just don't see it. Uh, the Philly fans special of the week. The Phillies, <laughs> Philly's actually going to lay seven points to the Cleveland Browns. I, I think... I know I, I I'm gonna change my pick because I know I know how I I know how to interpret this now, but on paper if we were picking straight up I got the Eagles, but seven points I'm taking the Browns. Listen, Mike, whether we're picking just a winner or picking against the spread, it's Browns all the way. Carson Wentz is starting the game, people. How are they gonna move the ball? Carson Wentz is starting the football game. The football no game. No matter what you say, if whether again whether it's points or just picking a winner. How do you go with Carson Wentz because over RG3, Gary Barnage over there? I know they don't have Josh Gordon on the field yet, but they have two capable running backs and Hugh Jackson pulling the strings. How do you give Philly minus seven or give them the win at that? Because if the game starts and there's a brisk wind, oh. it's very possible that RG3 could tear an ACL. <laughs> I mean, if he's putting on his shoe and the shoelace is too tight around his ankle... He could dislocate his femur. I mean, there are so many things that could go wrong. If Mike Shanahan picks up the phone and calls him, he could get a bleeding eardrum. There are so many, so many possibilities to what could go wrong in the waning moments before the game starts. And then who, who's the backup? Is it, is it McCown? Josh McCown? I'd rather have Terrell Pryor. I'm, I'm just saying right now. So, uh, so who's still better than Carson Wentz, by the no, way? Oh, you blasphemy. North Dakota. North Dakota. Uh, seriously, minus seven? Yeah. And you're giving the Eagles the win? Seriously? Well, no, 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 no. I'm giving the Eagles the win without the seven. With the seven, oh, I'm going Browns. I, I told you oh that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's just move on. Right. Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore's getting minus three. I don't know who Mike's picking against the spread or winning, but I have the Ravens winning the game. Crazy. I have them winning by more than three because the Bills just have too many injuries on defense. I don't believe in Rex Ryan. When he usually takes over a team, the team usually gets worse, not better. Got to believe in Steve Smith Sr., who's on my fantasy team. Baltimore Ravens by six. So I'm taking the Bills, taking Rex Ryan. Don't like him, but I'm taking Tyrod and Tyrod I trust uh, with the points, without the points. Joe Flacco's knee is not 100%. They cut for set. They signed for set. 
a lot of rhyming going on here. Um, but yeah, I just I don't like this Ravens team. Six and ten. If they do anything more than that, I would be amazed. Buffalo, if they don't make the playoffs, Rex Ryan's going to be on this show. So um, you know, let's see what happens. But uh, go Buffalo. Next, we're going to be looking at Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston's Tampa Bay Bucks and the Hotland Hotland Falcons. Got to bring that back. It's the most basketball season, baby. Uh, three points, Falcons. Uh, how do you not take the Falcons? Because Jameis Winston's on the other side, and Noah Spence is going to be rushing the quarterback, and they also got Vernon Hargraves in the secondary, and I just don't believe in the Falcons. I haven't in the past few years. Fantasy-wise, I believe in Matt Ryan and Devontae Freeman, who's on my fantasy team. But as far as wins and losses, the Falcons haven't been relevant in so long. They started off good last year and fizzled out. It's the same team, pretty much, with Muhammad Sanu, which doesn't make that big of a difference. They lost Keanu Neal, their first-round pick, for a while, I believe, with an injury. I don't know if he's going to be in a snap count, if he's going to play. But I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe in Jameis Winston. Well, I mean, I got I got Atlanta. I don't feel great about it. Um, no, I know. But I just, again, <laughs> this is another team that if, if they don't make the playoffs this year— everybody's gone maybe not julio jones but everybody and i'm talking maybe even matt ryan could be on the chopping block because it seems like every year that he plays he gets his arm gets a little bit more noodle like um so i don't i'm not loving him uh, Devontae freeman's gonna be, have a lot of pressure on him I and mean, he started out like a bat out of hell last year and then he i don't know what it was it was just the, the every down back thing because tevin coleman you know coughed it up like you know dropping it like it was hot every time he touched the ball but uh yeah they got a lot of talent on paper I'm still going to go with them, but I don't feel super confident. Now, the game that I kind of feel I'm kind of having trouble wrapping my head around is is the Cowboys-Giant game, mostly because the Giants are actually getting four points. I get that this is in Dallas. I get that this is a rivalry game, but this is Dak Prescott's first real start against Eli Manning, who traditionally plays super good against the Cowboys in Dallas. So I'm taking I'm taking the Giants, and I'm, I'm, I think the Giants are going to potentially win by 14 points. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go as far as 14 points, but uh, Eli's going to have a lot of time to throw. People are pointing out that the Giants have a weakness on the offensive line, but Dallas Cowboys don't have any pass rushers. Nope. Yeah, I know Randy Gregory got his suspension reduced and it was revoked and all this stuff. He's not going to be on the field this Sunday. So... Dallas Cowboys have no one to rush the quarterback with. Yes, they have Ezekiel Elliott, Mr. Crop Top. People following the trend, which is stupid. So stupid. But it's not going to be good enough to beat the Giants. As you said, Eli Manning usually plays well against the Cowboys, and he's facing a rookie quarterback. Take the Giants. Uh, let's spin it back a little bit. This is a game. This is probably a slam dunk. I know I'm really high on Ryan Tannehill. Dolphins at Seattle Seahawks, but I had to take the Seahawks in their seven and a half points, whether you're picking a winner or picking against the spread. The Seahawks will walk away with this one pretty easily. Uh, the Dolphins, they will be better at the end of the season versus the beginning. I know Arian Foster is trying to research his career. Again, I like Adam Gates and Ryan Tannehill tandem, but it's going to take a while for them to gel. So yeah. I take Seattle on this one. Absolutely. Seattle all day. Between like the three fantasy teams that I have, I've got Russell Wilson, I've got Lockett, I've got the Seattle defense, I've got Hoshka. I've got so many Seattle guys, they have to put up big points for me. So uh, Miami's just lucky they were playing in Seattle this time of year and not come like week 8, 9, or 10 because it wouldn't even matter. Um, going on to the Detroit Lions uh, versus the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are given six. Uh, this was a little bit of a tough one for me. Um, I, can, I can see it going either way, but I'm going to – I'm going to put my faith in uh, Andrew Luck and then hope that he gets back onto the type of player that he was two years ago and not the one that, you know, was on the, in the ER for most of last year. But Col- Colts playing six. 
Yeah, Colts are going to win the game, but they're going to only win by about three. So if you're picking against the spread, go with Detroit because Detroit has two really good pass rushers, Ziggy Ansah, and I believe Taylor is going to have a good year. Uh, Jim Irsay came out recently and said he's concerned about the offensive line for the Colts. So that's something to worry about if you have Andrew Luck in your fantasy league. You wind up on the ground a lot this year if they don't fix that offensive line issue. The Colts don't have a really good defense. They have old players in their front seven, and they don't really have a good secondary Monte Davis got hurt. They had to sign Antonio Cromartie, who looked like pure garbage last year. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about the Colts' defense. Again, if you're picking against the spread, go Detroit. If you're picking just a winner, Colts by three. Okay, the uh, Sunday night matchup. How, how Arizona is actually getting a point at home against New England. I am totally and utterly confused by the people in Las Vegas. But if you yeah. if you don't take if you don't take Arizona, then you are probably a Patriots fan. Yeah, betdsi.com. Put your money down. Man, ten is the code. Get your money. Yes. Uh, if you don't, you know, get get your money on this one because the Colts, Colts, the Cardinals should win this game. I don't know how the Patriots get get minus one on this. They're they're on the road with a with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. that tells you all you need to know. Cardinals will probably win this one by at least 10 points. Now, that sounds preposterous to Patriots fans, but again, you don't have Tom Brady out there. You can't catch lightning in a bottle. Belichick is, is the mastermind, but he's not their quarterbacking. So, Cardinals take this one easily. Bam. Monday night, two games on the docket. First game is good. Second one's not. Uh, first game is the Pittsburgh Steelers, another team that, you know, between Mo and I, I think we've got, you know, most of the Pittsburgh Steelers on our fantasy clubs. Uh, they're actually getting, uh, what, the two and a half points to Washington. Washington is at home. So it's interesting to see, you know, the away team getting any kind of points. But regardless, I've still got the Steelers. I think their offense is too much. Washington's defense is meh. Uh, their offense is also good. I think this is going to be a high-scoring shootout, you know, something ridiculous, something in the 30s, high 30s. But uh, I got Pittsburgh. I got Big Ben tossing four touchdowns. I know I bash Kirk Cousins with every chance that I get on this show yeah, and every yeah. platform I'm, I'm on, but I'm taking the Washington Redskins wow. here because – I don't really like the Steelers secondary. They are question marks there. They lost a couple of safeties. Robert Golden is starting. William Gay has always been meh. They got Ross Cocker, who was good at the end of last year, but we'll see how he does as the, as the unquestioned starter there. Missing Le'Veon Bell, which makes me cringe a little bit. Yes, they have the immortal D'Angelo Williams, who's like 45 years old, but I don't think it matters. Washington has more weapons. They get it done. They win the football game. Take Washington on this one. And the final game of the week, the game that most people will tune in just to watch the national anthem um, to see who is standing and who is not. The L.A. Rams and their triumphant return to L.A. and their no quarterback situation versus those aforementioned San Francisco 49ers. Wow, this is like the worst game on a Monday night to open the season ever. And this is like we're talking, you know, uh, Chargers versus Raiders when both of the teams were really bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who books these games or who schedules these, but yeah, Rams and 49ers is probably the worst game you could put on the schedule for a Monday night game. Uh, if you're picking against the spread or picking a winner, go with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, I know Todd Gurley's on the other side, but they got nothing else there. Okay, Case Keenum, yes, is starting, but I believe in Chip Kelly, Blaine Gabbert, resurgence in San Francisco. Could it be? I think so. Nope. Take the Rams because they actually have more pieces than Mo is giving them credit for. They have a really good defense. The 49ers have no defense. They have less of an offense. Carlos Hyde, he uh, was just on the internet. He uh, woke up from a nap and sprained his neck 
and looking in the cupboard for something to snack on. So he's out six to ten weeks with a concussion. Um, it, it's just, I mean, how can you even draft Carlos Hyde? I, you, if you took Carlos Hyde anywhere before the, the, the fifth round, you should quit. You should, you should not play fantasy football because you're doing a disservice to everyone else in your league. You re- make, make it competitive, man. Make it competitive. You know what? I'm telling you. It's just, there's just certain guys you can't touch. Okay. No, this cars from San Francisco to the Mike Killingula household this no, year. No, I'm telling you. I just, I, I mean, I, I always wanted to go to San Fran. Unfortunately, I never got, never got up there. Got like an hour south of San Fran. I hear it's a, a semi lovely place to see. Um, but uh, I like, I like San Francisco Giants. I just the 49ers. Man, that's that's a mess. I actually, I actually believe that Jeff Fisher's seven and nine would be a great step in the right direction for Chip Kelly's San Francisco 49ers. So um, no love for San Francisco. How nope. dare you? I'm Chip sorry. This game, trust me. I, again, Case Keenum. Eh. No, it's not good either in either direction. But uh, but you know somebody's got to win. Actually, no, that's not true. We can have a nothing nothing tie. So um, how did? Yeah, that would that would be a push, right? And then I guess I guess the uh, the Rams would would actually lose because of the two and a half points. If I remember correctly, the San Francisco 49ers upset the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, last year on Monday Night Football at the beginning of the season. So I, I feel a little, you know, lightning striking twice in the same. On the same team, maybe different opponent. So be a better, just spend this one. I'm usually right on these things, okay? Oh yeah, it'd be a better chance of lightning striking San Francisco because it doesn't rain there. That's about it. Listen, take the San Francisco 49ers. BSI, BDSI.com, man ten. Take the San Francisco 49ers. Get your money, mo money, mo buckets. Uh, or you can just call me, give me ten dollars. I'll bet it for on another team that'll actually win, and you'll be better off because San Francisco, eh, eh. But we've given you everything we possibly can to get you prepared, win you some money, do your fantasy thing, just talk some trash to your friends, know exactly what you're getting yourself into because this is going to be a fantastic NFL season. Last year was meh. You know, it's kind of the thing we got here. It was it was a great playoff, but you kind of knew exactly who were going to be the teams at the end of the season. This year... It's kind of a crapshoot. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we've already seen the NCAA is going to be a wild, wild thing until until the very end. Uh, you know, our uh, top four picks to go to the championship are already blown out of the water. So we'll talk about that next week. But, of course, you can follow us on Facebook. It's uh, Mike and Mo Show, over 7,200 likes. So be one of uh, – be, be a sheep. I often say don't be a sheep, but I want you to be a sheep when it comes to that. Okay. Yes, please be a sheep. And, uh, of course, Twitter. Mike and Mo Show, follow us. We got lots of lots of funny stuff for you guys to uh, tweet, retweet, like, love all during the week. And of course, go to uh, Mike and Mo Show on mentalitymedia.com slash podcast. Let us know exactly what you want to do. We're going to start having some callers on. We're going to start having some more fun uh, and just plenty of more great information coming your way. So Mo, before we uh, put a wrap on episode 30, anything else? Go khakis because Mike would not care about UCF unless his fiance. Was an alumni, alumnus there. Absolutely. So go khakis, go Michigan. I have you in my top four. Go Harbaugh. Go Harbaugh. Go home, Harbaugh. Why would I? Why would? Of course, I wouldn't care about UCF. If my, I mean, she if she didn't go there, why would I? It's like, unfortunately, you know, St. John's doesn't have a football team because you know it's St. John's. They don't even have a basketball team anymore. So I mean, this is what happens when Mo becomes bitter. Back to greatness. We will be back. St. John's restaurant. 
Chris Mullen will lead us back to the promised land, back to the glory days, okay? So yeah. I'll wait for that. I know it's going to happen in my lifetime, but mm, UCF, nowhere near the playoff picture. Nowhere oh, I'm it. sorry. Uh, th- three years ago, Blake Bortles' Fiesta Bowl win over Baylor finished number, is it number two, number two or three in the nation. So uh, that was our moment. I don't want to say our because I'm not an alum, but that was their moment of greatness. St. John's, although I have rooted for them in the past, have not been good since Ron Artest. Ron Artest. Uh, you know what? If, if Moe's on the team, we would have had a run from 2004 to 2008, but that's another whole oh story my about goodness. my basketball career, how it tragically ended because I took another career, but that's, again, <laughs> that's the, neither here nor there. It's another story for another show. Yep. As Mike said, Mikey Mo Show on Twitter, Mikey Mo Show on Facebook. We got over 7,000 likes. Again, like you said, be one of those likes. We're building, we're building, we're building. We're on Stitcher, all over the place. We're on YouTube, all over. Just listen to the show because we have great stuff coming up for you for this football season. As Mike said, callers, more participation. Go to the site, Mentality Media, Mikey Mo Show, to put in your questions, suggestions. We want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't talked a whole lot of baseball in the past couple of weeks because the football season has just been, you know, all encompassing. But baseball is coming back. We're going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks because it's almost playoff time, my favorite time of year. And you know what? The Yankees and the Mets just keep winning, baby. I mean, we did it again today. The Mets beat the Reds, and the Yankees swept the Toronto Blue Jays, knocking them out of first place. So uh, anything is possible at this point. I mean, like Kevin Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. So <laughs> just living the dream one day at a time. But uh, that's it for episode 30. We will be back next week. Stay tuned. BetDSI.com. Bet those games. Mikey and Mo Show all over social media. We love it. We'll talk to you then, and have a wonderful week.